Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. All right, here we are. Welcome everyone to another episode of Grad School Femme Touring. I'm really excited to have another guest speaker. Our guest speaker for today is Elisa. <laughs> I want to say Elisa, <laughs> but Elisa Frazier. And um, she, I'm going to go ahead and read her bio. Um, but today she's going to be talking to us about being a Black grad school mom and balancing family. So Alyssa Frazier is a fifth year EDD candidate researching culturally responsive tech integration in urban schools. She's a co-founder of NAVCAP. It's NAVCAP, right? Yeah. Awesome. A, a professional learning community, grad school coaching center, and resource hub for Black and Latinx grad students. And she's also the host of the Grad School Soul Collective podcast. So we're doing a little bit of a collaboration. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, Alyssa. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Yvette. I appreciate you. And um, let's do it. Let's get into it. Yeah. So sounds good. The first question I have for you is what I ask everybody, which is if you can just tell us a little bit more about yourself your background. I'm even going to add your kids because you're going to talk about being a mom, which excites me because I'm a mom of two. And also just kind of what led you to your current graduate program? Yeah. So I, my background is in K-12, everything, um, a bunch of different things, teacher, interventionist, coach, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so I decided to go into a program, a doctor program because um, I was kind of on the fence of do I go into administration um, or do I um, support teachers and teach teachers in a different capacity because they're um, they're just different and um, what I decided was that I wanted to my like Machiavellian um, I was like oh I'm going to teach you know the the young white teachers before they get here <laughs> you know or before they get um, out and about. Um, and so uh, I, I, you know, researched some um, programs and I ended up landing on a uh, EDD in curriculum and instruction. And um, I will say that kind of where I am today is a culmination of kind of me naively thinking like, oh, I'm going to learn this. We're going to do blah, 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 blah. But then as I, as I really got into the program, it kind of opened my eyes up to um, some other things, which I know that is, is probably pretty typical um, of folks. But, um, and I'll get to that in just a second. But uh, essentially, um, my role right now is um, one, to finish this doggone dissertation, right? I'm waiting for IRB. Three times, three times. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear oh that. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They're like, can you tell me that again? How are you gonna be, you know, confidential? All of the stuff that they ask you. And so I'm like, did I word it? Did not? Do I need to give? So apparently um, I feel like they asked the same question like 18 different times 
but that's an, that's a whole nother podcast is like how do you get through IRB um and so anyway for those of y'all who don't know IRB is like it's like uh the the light the green light right for you to actually like start doing your research and uh it's a process of um there being a, a group of people a review board who look at what you propose and then they uh make sure that it meets the standards um that you know have been set to ensure safety um to, to ensure that you know that the methods are what they should be and and protections and all of those things and so it's a great thing um however they are super particular and so um so anyway i am at that process uh, at that stage and so um so that is on the docket um also i am a evaluator and so this was something that came up kind of in my um degree where one of my professors said hey you would be a really great evaluator and i was like really i don't know you know and so anyway Can you define uh, what an evaluator is for yeah. for the audience yeah 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 so the the speed version is that there are kind of two different schools of thoughts for what an evaluator is right essentially um and one school of thought is that it is a uh, a person um who comes into an organization and really does the looks at the design of the organization what um, does it seek to do what outcomes does it seek to uh, move forward and what's the progress that it's making towards meeting those outcomes and so it's really like a lot of assessment um, a lot of accountability a lot of looking at different data and then coming back and saying did you do what you set out to do kind of the, at the simplest version so on one end it's a type um, uh, you know it's a type of research but on the other end, and this is kind of where I where I sit, is that evaluators are folks that come in and um, facilitate conversations about what data means and who it means what to and who is most impacted by. And I've been trained as what's called a culturally responsive evaluator. So I specifically um, you know, go into organizations and schools and systems and say, who's at the table? Who are the different stakeholders that whose voices are not heard? What are the surrounding contexts that are there? And and um, how does the how does the how do these data um, speak to their experiences? Um, because you can have data, but it can it can it can be weaponized. It can be used against folks who have been historically underserved. And so um, I take the role of being an evaluator as a privilege to be able to come in and um, to have those kind of conversations with folks who quite frankly don't have to have them right because they're usually folks that have money have power have position and um, uh, evaluation can be like a checklist like a we got to do it to kind of like make sure we're you know we got kind of continuous improvement quality assessment like we got to do this thing but to be able to say let's really talk about um, you know what this means and what it means to who and who's impacted and all of that i'm really grateful that um you know i feel like i get to do that um and so that's that's something that kind of came up and so i do that kind of part-time and is that part of your program or is that a separate from your program oh good good lord have mercy gravy so um <laughs> every everyone that take that 
that enters into where, where, where I attend, everybody goes, um, it's, it's a prerequisite, right? So you take your body of research courses. So you take your, you know, your quantitative methods, your qualitative methods, your evaluation, like it's, it's in the suite of like, everybody got to take this, right? So, um, so I, I took the courses that everybody took. And that's when this professor said, um, I can see this in you, you know, like I see it, I see it. And it was a terribly hard course. Like I was like, I don't understand what's going on, all these models, what's the logic, what's the theoretical framing. Oh like, my goodness. I, I I get it. I get it completely because <laughs> right, I'm currently I'm transitioning out, but I work for a federally funded program. And yeah. you have to apply for the grant. And for yes. the grant, you have to write and you have to write draft the yeah. logic models and you have to have yes. objectives. And oh. we're actually in the middle of having external an external evaluation. That's so, me. <laughs> so you're that person. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. and asking for the data oh. and the curriculum and you know the reports. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. So you're with me. So I, but I know it on the other end, like basically I'm the person on the opposite end. <laughs> oh, it was, it was like the, the, it was just, it made my head hurt. So I, I liked the process, the thinking within it, but um, it was really tough for me. So when she said, I think that this would be really, I see it the way that you think, the way that you're engaging, the way that you're, and I, I was, I'm also a coach. And so um, building the capacity of people is something I'm super passionate about. Um, having coached teams of teachers and looking at how do we improve school systems and not just, you know, this policy, you got to do this. And so anyway, um, I applied for something called the JEDI, um, which is uh, called the Graduate Education Diversity Initiative. It is an arm of the AEA, which just is a big term that means the American Evaluation Society. It's an organization. Um, and so anyway, um, I applied, I became a fellow as part simultaneously in my program. And what that meant is that there, there, are, there were 12 of us um, across the United States who got trained um, to be quote unquote, culturally responsive evaluators, to, to learn about what that means, to talk about how that impacts the work that we do, the lenses that we take, um, and not just slapping a label, not just, oh, diversity, oh, inclusion, oh, be culturally responsive, like all these like catch terms. And That's so what I was like, going to say, so many people just use these terms without actually thinking about wh what they mean as a whole and also yes. how they define it for themselves. How the, All of that, all of that. So they're like, you won't be that, you won't be that. Um, so we're going to train you. And so part of the training was to be, to work with a um, a team of evaluators to be on that team. And so some folks were at National Science Foundation. Some folks were, you know, at the University of North Carolina. Um, I was at EDC, which is a, a international um, nonprofit. And so um, essentially you, you join the team, you, you do evaluation. And so um, when that fellowship was over, so I was taking courses, um, I was in my program, <laughs> while I was doing this, um, and it was a paid um, fellowship. So that's good, right, to have some, some more income. And so it was simultaneous. And then after that was over, I stayed on um, as, a, as a RA, as a research associate. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. And then the last thing I would say is that I founded NAVCAP, which um, um, Dr. Yvette um, mentioned earlier, it's, it's, 
I founded NAVCAP because what I found was that I co-founded it actually. What I found is that um, in my experience, there were, there were several ex instances where I really was hyper aware of um, who I was in this space and what I didn't know. And so I would do things like, oh my gosh, y'all, uh, I found this great thing out. You know, I asked 10 people, right? And I found this thing. And they would say, oh no, so-and-so already told me this six months ago or a year ago or pulled me in their office or did this or did that. And so what I found is that one, I'm the only black woman in, in my cohort. Um, and I found that there were several examples where folks were really getting positioned, groomed, mentored um, and getting a, you know, a lot of support. And I was just unaware. I just thought like, this is just supposed to be Lone Ranger. I'm supposed to be crying, I, you know, I'm working my butt off, you know, the whole mentality of, you know, you got to work twice as hard, you know, if you're, and so I had been conditioned that like, I just got to do that. I just got to be this. Um, and I was like, whoa, when I leave this program, when I leave this, this, this part of my life, I want to make sure that the things that I've learned, that I can build community around that, um, and to create this like knowledge pipelines so I that, you know, other folks can, can have more of what they need. And, and, and it really aligns with, you know, your mission as well. And so I think, you know, I was following you on the gram. And so uh, I was <laughs> like, she is on it. Yay. Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> so wait, does NAFCAP stand for something? Is that the yeah. acronym? Can you? Yeah. So NAFCAP is like grad cap, but it's really, um, stands for navigational capital. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So like, um, See, I didn't get that right away. I should have, but yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's kind of like in, in the background, but um, but yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. That's kind of how I um ended up, you know, here right now. And so um so how like this is the big question, the how. Like how how have you been able to navigate this graduate program with your evaluation requirements. Um, and on top of that, your mom, like we didn't even get to that part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you speak to that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I imagine possibility. And so um, when something is really like in my heart, I'm like, how can I grow this? And so I'm not about the small stuff. I'm about like steps towards the big stuff. And so um, the evaluation for me, um, in terms of, of kind of how it connects with NAV, or where I see it intersecting with NAVCAP, is really being able to facilitate conversations among my peers um, and saying, you know, what are the things that kind of doing a needs assessment? Like, what are the things that we have? What are the things that we need? Um, who can we talk to and tap into to get those resources? And how can we um, connect resources? amongst and grow our personal locus. But in addition to that, how can we begin to have conversations with the transitioning higher ed, right? Transitioning with the browning of these universities as we have the browning Ooh, of- I feel like you need to talk you know, more. What do you not, mean by that? The transition of you know, higher ed, right? brown, oh, lots yeah. of terms there. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me dial it back. And so, in these United States um, that we currently live in, um, <clears throat> we see that the demographics, the populations um, are changing. And so um, that is not, 
you know, isolated to any one area. So you see it in K-12, you see them in communities, you see it in higher ed. And so- But you don't see it reflected among the teachers or the professors. Uh There you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. And so what's happening is that um, higher ed has been operating um, through a model which does not require that they um, look at their faculty and they look at their supports and they say, how are we serving the students that are coming to us? Um, How can we better serve them? And so we see this kind of tension where it's, hey, yeah, it's technically like, quote unquote, the ivory tower, but guess what? Like, if you're not serving the folks that are coming in, they're going to demand more. And so no more is it okay to have the, you know, the rising stars uh, as being the only holders of, of resources. And so, um, you know, just when I, when I say the transition, that's what I mean. I mean that higher ed is, is, is kind of, you know, in, it, it's in birth, like it has, is having birthing pains right now because they really need to be, and they are, um, but it's going to be a slow transition where they're looking at what does student services look like? What does college and career look like? Um, we've seen the last 30 years um, where there's been, you know, kind of different transitions. And so up until 2020, it was, we're going to connect you with folks. But um, really right now, we're in the state of ecosystems. And so these ecosystems are really like, how do we create systems where we, we're looking at the person that's kind of before us, we're looking at the person after us, we're looking parallel, not just this linear hierarchical, you know, these steps to get to this, um, you know, to get to this this degree. Um, and there's a bunch of research around, NACI came out with some research and they said, it's like National Association of Colleges Employers. And they came out and they said that employers are saying, wait a second, these folks are graduating with these degrees, but um, they are, you know, not knowledgeable about the, the culture of the field, how to have um, collaborative conversations, how to build upon each other's knowledges. Um, and so really, I'm passionate about mentorship because it can bridge that gap in terms of being able to talk about the kind of hidden and unseen but very real levers of success um that that we need i i i've gotten so much from this um and i can you know you know i know firsthand about the transitions that hired is going through and like you said the the birthing pains (laughs) you call them i'm wondering because you use that word is how how does being a mom uh, influence the work that you do. And you also, not only are you a mom, but you mentioned you're the only black student in your program. Like that's yeah. also meaningful too. I was the only, I was one of two people of color, the only Latina in my program, the only other person of color was a black woman. Like it's just, it's a shame that there's so few of us in certain programs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as far as, as, as being a mom, oh, and I didn't get that. So get to that. So I'm a mom of four. Um, I have three at home and one who is a senior in, in undergrad. So, you know, bless so, her. I, I'm assuming there's a big range. Oh of Lord. Yes. <laughs> so we have uh, 22. Uh huh. We have uh, 11 and okay. 13 and we have seven. Oh my goodness. Oh, uh, so you've got, 
You've got elementary, middle school, college. Uh, yes. I don't yes. think high school, right? Nope, nope, <laughs> not high school, not high school. And so, um, and my my two middle kiddos are on the spectrum. They're on the the autism spectrum. And my so, se- my seven soon to be eight year old is on the spectrum. Too. Ah, yeah. we talk about, I mean, we can talk about it here, but we can talk about it later about um, him or her. Him, yeah, him. yeah. Okay. My son Emiliano, we call him Emmy. Yeah, Emmy. We're gonna talk about his gifts, um, and that's a whole nother podcast. Is um, um, I am an autism advocate. I'm all about like finding your kids' gifts yes. and, and what are the you know. And so we're gonna talk about that later. We're gonna get that's they're into something. Show. They're like into it, and it's such a talent. I'm like, dude, I I could not do what you do. Oh, they're they're so ama- amazing, and yeah. so when you talk about like, what is it, how does it impact me as a mom? Um, one of the things I would say is that when I speak about my family has like, I need to do this thing, right? Um, that thing could be my son had a meltdown, right? And I need to go to the school and I need to be the mother, right? Um, what it's meant for me, you know, in a good way is that I am able to um, look at look through the lens of imperfection um, because I'm very much like, you know, st- strategy focused. So I'm like, I make a plan, got a strategy. We're going to do this. And these are the tasks within that. And oh these, my like, gosh, I, same. You know, like <laughs> pack this thing, right? And so um, when you have kids who have exceptionalities and they're like, no, we're not going to go there. We're going to go this way. Or I learned better this way. Or guess what? You can't fix me. I'm not fixable. I am who I am. Um, it causes you to look at your life and your situation in, in a way where you're like, wow, I need to um, st- stop trying to force things into this, this, this box and, and say, wait a second, sometimes it's going to overflow. And so that idea of like, um, to some, it's an undoing. Right. And they're like, I can never. And I'm like, I, I have to. And accept. I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, um, that's a, a great thing that I had to learn the negative, not the negative, but on, on, on the other side is that there are things, very real things that, that happen, right. Where, because, you know, my kids have experienced bullying and, um, if I have need, right. That I'm going to be late for a class or I'm going to, and I'm not going to apologize for it. And that was a thing that would come up in my program, like, well, you know, and I'm looking like, I'm not going to buy, I'm sorry for the inconvenience to you, right? Because it's not a, it's not a respect issue. I respect you. I respect your class. I respect your position tremendously. Um, but I, I went through a thing where I was apologizing for my very being. I was apologizing for, for, for not coming in the embodiment of what they expected, you know, this, this, this black skin. And I would speak about my experiences and they would look at me like, huh? And like, I'm like, I'm not a movie. <laughs> I'm not a movie. Didn't make this up. I'm not the only one. There are tons of folks that have adjacent experiences to me. And so um, there was that. And then in addition to that, I'm not going to apologize for um, being a professional woman with children who, who is really passionate about what I'm doing. I'm super serious. And because I have children, it doesn't make me any less serious. 
Um, I, I was going to say that I love that you say that, that you are unapologetic about who you are. And I think that a lot of first gen students of color struggle with that, especially when they're still relatively young, um, still kind of questioning themselves and their worthiness. And I, I wish that there was something that I could say or that you could say that it's like, okay, I told you now you go do it. You go set your boundaries. You go be unapologetic. <laughs> But I know it takes a long time to get there. And I wonder if for you, because I know for me, one of the things that has helped me has actually been becoming a mom. Because in becoming a mom, I have had to learn to advocate not just for myself, but for other people and for my children. And I will be, uh, I will be, what is it? Like a mama bear. When it comes to my kids, you mess with my kids, I will be there. <laughs> I will tell you. <laughs> and so uh, it's just, I don't, I don't know um, what I'm trying to get at this other than like, I just, I wish that more people could get to that point of being an apologetic um, and being a hundred percent themselves and proud of who they are, even if they don't fit into the mold of what a student, grad student academic looks like. I wish that they could get there sooner. And I know what helped me get there sooner was becoming a mom. That doesn't mean everybody should become a parent because it's hard work and it's not Certainly. for everyone. <laughs> Certainly. And I applaud you for four because I'm done after two. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, I will. And look, let me tell you, let me tell you, four, two is just one. OK, well, we'll they're we'll, all they're we'll, all hard. They will do it for you. OK, take your cat. Uh, anyway, um, well, I'm I'm one of six, by the way. I grew up oh, with four I'm, brothers and one sister. So no, no, I know what it's like to be in a big family. Me, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm seven out of eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm, I'm seven at eight. So we are um, four girls, four boys. So, um, yeah, but even, I, I will, wow, sorry, even, even, no, I, will say that, um, I will, I will say for anyone that's listening, it takes flexing and exercising the muscle and you can do it in a language that feels authentic to you. So for me, the language was, I want you to know that I respect you tremendously However, I'm working on, um, you know, communicating the things that I need. Um, that was one of the things that I said. And also, eventually, I would say, and this just happened, like, last year, okay? So, so all of the comfort, like, took years to, like, grow into was to say, I am setting boundaries. And so for me, for my professors, what that meant was when I went from being a, uh, you know, a full-time professional and part-time grad student to, to, to now being, uh, to go, I got an assistantship. So then I became a full-time graduate student. I was like an indentured servant, right? Where I'm doing work, good work, all of this, but there was an expectation that you're not going to have a life, that you're going to support my, my research, my scholarship. Um, and you're going to, you, you're capped at whatever the hours that you are, but the reality was is that you weren't capped. Whatever. The oh, you get paid the number of hours, but you're expected to do more. I'm sure. But but you're expected to do more, and so I had to really set those boundaries and say, um, I need you to know that I respect you, but I'm setting these boundaries, and in setting these boundaries, I'm respecting my wellness, and so being able to say. And then having to say it four and five and six and seven times. And so 
when you get to the point where you're like, you know what, um, I have to speak. Um, so it's not a scream and a yell and a, ah, I can't believe really, you know, literally like writing down those, those, you know, affirming, but, but really solid statements to let folks know and to remind them because they're not going to be used to it. I, if you've had three years of Alyssa, um, or in their case, uh, you know, a year and a half uh, of Alyssa being one way to acquiesce. And then now I'm saying, you know, or saying and being and expressing, and my body language is still happy. You know, they're expecting, like, oh, she should be. Nope, not uncomfortable at all. Feeling this. Hope you have a great day. You know, like you, you have to keep, you know, it's one of those things that it's not just going to turn on. This is um, bringing me to my next question. I feel like it's a good segue because you're talking about like earlier on, you mentioned that you learn to communicate the things that you need and learning to be firm about your boundaries, um, which first of all, you need to set, realize what your boundaries are and then um, communicate them. So that brings me to the topic of how do you balance family with everything else that you have going on as a graduate student, as a professional um, I can imagine one of them is that communication part, communicating your needs, but you know, what else do you do to ba balance family with being a graduate student? Mm -hmm. Um, so there are, there are a couple of things, um, that I do. Um, one, I've decided that, um, apologizing is not going to be a habit, meaning that if I do something that's egregious or I do something that, you know, I shouldn't do. I acknowledge it, I own it, and I apologize for it. But what I'm not going to say is, oh, my kids will understand, right? Oh, my partner will understand. Oh, it'll be okay. No, I've said if it's um, creating tension, if it's hurting and, and, and that hurt is growing, and I am causing that by way of me kind of expecting other folks to move around me, then I need to say, wait a second what is important for my, um, for my, for my unit, for my locus. And for me, my unit is that I have, you know, a wonderful husband. And so um, it's important for when I decide that I'm, I'm working towards something, the decision is, you know, taking three classes or taking one class or this fellowship or whatever the decision is, that's really important to me. I check in and say, hey, this is the thing that I'd love to do, but it's going to impact you, right? Even if it doesn't impact the work that you, it's going to impact how, what, where I am, what I'm doing, how available I am. And I want to talk to you about this so that we can come to an, an understanding of one, how do you feel about this? Two, what are we um, agreeing to and giving up? Um, so that's one so that I don't keep saying, oh, I meant to do that. Oh, because I set out to do this thing, <laughs> um, not taken into account. And this includes my kids too, right? So my, my baby, if she wants to watch Moana or whatever movies we do movie, um, we do protected time. Oh, I like that. Can you say more? <laughs> yeah, we do protected time. And so, um, for a long time, a long time to me was a good year and a half. I was just not available for, like I worked seven days a week um, between school and like everything. Like I was just over, absolutely just 
probably 70 hours a week, just really, really on a light week, maybe 60 hours a week. Like I just worked so much. Um, and my kids were kind of like, like, oh, you use the bathroom? Okay, here's your computer. Like they knew that like, brush your teeth, get your computer. Like they already knew that like, that was who I was, was I was just, just, you know, just working so much. And um, my kids were like, we miss being around you. Like we miss doing stuff with you. And what I ended up saying to them was that um, I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. Um, I may not be able to do it every week because it's ideal, right? When I say do, do this with you, I mean like a four or five hour chunk. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like asking your kids how their day are, checking on them, da, 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 da. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about like not on a device, totally present. Like I'm talking about just, right, just me, just me and you, like that's it, right? And so um, I said, I can't do that every week, you know, but I will commit to either every other week, definitely once a month, but every other week, we're going to have time together. And um it, whether it's sitting in the bed, you know, watching a movie, whether it's creating something together, a, a craft together, protected time so that they know, yes, you're going to work, 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 but you're also going to work at the relationship um, with us and that you don't just, and this is for each kid, right? Where that individually, gotta, like each kid gets their own protected time. Each wow. kid gets protected time. And so my, my older son he doesn't require that. You know, I just kind of check in with him. He doesn't ask for it. But um, my youngest, absolutely. And then um, my middle son, he gets time with me. He doesn't get like four hours, but he might get a good hour, hour and a half. Is that he the might, 11 or a 13? That's the 11. Okay. Because 13, he don't want to be with me like that. Right. <laughs> uh, but um, he, he, he could. And so the thing is, is that I need you to have access um, to me. And sometimes we do family stuff together where um, we'll all of us go out to the, like we're tomorrow, not tomorrow, Sunday, where all of us are going out where we're kind of like, well, who wants to see this? What are we going to do? And if we can agree on something that all of us wants to see, like we're going to go out, we're going to get nacho, we're going to have our mask and everything, but we're going to go out, we're going to, you know, do this thing. And so um, that's a a big thing is having that, that protected time. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, um, besides the apologizing, um, I would say that don't power through. Like sometimes we're like, oh, I've got this thing, I'm just gonna power through. Well, well definitely just like you block off time to, uh, I'm a huge planner. So like I could, I could teach you this probably to the have to be oh, <laughs> with right? four kids and Come on multiple jobs <laughs> come on come on right so but if there is a time where my body tells me or my children's body I pay attention to their body language to whereas it if I'm seeing them and I'm seeing that they're sad for a couple of days or I'm seeing that they're going through something for a couple of days I have to remind myself wait a second I'm not just gonna you know keep doing this thing that I've been doing whatever this project is um, and I can't expect them to just power through the thing that they're, they'll be okay. You know, they're resilient. Yeah, they're resilient, but um, I am their mother. And because I am their mother and I'm an, an 
an active parent, um, I need to make sure that if I don't open up the lines to say, I'm noticing that something's wrong and I wanna make sure that I check in with you and really check in with you, um, then they're gonna be building that up that wall and that habit of like, oh, I just deal with this on my own, <laughs> where you walk around and, you know, and so we're learning each other, like we're like training each other. And when I find myself in the mode where I'm like, oh, 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 no, I have to say, oh, I've seen this twice. Oh, I've seen this three times. Oh, oh, rip, stop. Um, I like that you said that you, you don't power through and you don't have, you know, like force your kids to power through anything because I think that's actually a common rhetoric in academia too is is pushing students and and even sometimes using that word resilient as a way of like oh you're resilient so we don't need to provide you with x y and c you know resources and that's why I have a love-hate relationship with that word but powering through um I just think that's what leads to burnout and um you know, for me, like I, I navigate a chronic illness. So if I power through, I flare up. If I power through, I get sick. And the reason I developed a chronic illness was from powering through and being a workaholic for so long. So that's why I, I, I too am not a fan of that. If I say, if it's too much, take a break. If it's too much, take time, like do what you need to do to like nourish or replenish yourself. And I think that's, that's great advice for anyone, not just, a, not just someone balancing family, because I think we all have loved ones, that we all have people who we want to make time and space for. Um, I know we're getting close to the time, so I okay. want to kind of have us wrap up with maybe um, anything else that you wanted to share. I know we have you on to talk about being yeah. a Black grad student yes. mom, so yeah. you know, what yeah. else would you like to share yeah. about that? Um, I, I'll say that... Um, pay attention to what folks like love language and expression of themselves is. Um, but don't just pay attention to it and think that like, oh, I know what they think. I know how they feel. I know how they like, like this is what means, what it means to them. Sometimes we know it, me, like I'm pointing at myself, like I know it, but I expect for them to receive the thing that I'm giving them, right? So if I know that, that um, you love to hear like these words of, a, you know, like affirmation and you're this thing. My love language is taking care of stuff, right? I so, was about to ask you, wait, which one oh, is that one? <laughs> oh, mine is uh, like, when service. I say taking care of, yeah, acts of service. So if you're like, if my husband, like, if he like washes the dishes or like cleans the floor, or does, I am just so cuddly. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, so appreciative. Um, you know, like, I just like, that's the thing. Like, it just really, and so, um, however, I, I know that he, you know, has, has his language, but I'm like, well, if I just do this thing and really in the back of my mind, it's, I'm doing this thing because it's really important to me. And I, I think it's important. And so it needs to get done. So like, I'm just going to do this. So paying attention and listening and not just knowing the, the, the person that, or in this includes your kids, you know, your, your partner, uh, even your friends, right? So I have a, um, a group of um, uh, women who pour into me 
And I always believe that it's important. I, I'm a, I'm a, because I'm in a unit, a, a traditional, and I hate to use that word traditional, but whatever, because I'm in the type of unit that I'm in right now, right? I am very much like, hey, if you are in a unit, in a relationship with one, two, however many people you're in a relationship with, it is a thing where you have to pay attention to the things that they need. And um, not just knowing it, but like seeing them as integral parts, extensions of you, of the, the, the you that you are. And so, um, the, you know, and the reason why I said traditional is because some folks are in, you know, open relationships, which is their choice, which is what they want, which is what they need. I am not. And so, um, because I'm in a, you know, a, that type of relationship, I'm really like, Hey, just because I made some vows to you right, and said, yeah, we're going to be here together. Right. We better or worse. Right. Better or worse doesn't mean that I keep to just uh, that I get to keep giving you just the, the kibbles and bits when I know that you need more, when I know that you deserve more, and when I know that when we agreed, we didn't agree to the, to the, to, to the kibbles and bits. And so <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Yes. I don't know. No, I'm I, what I'm hearing also, because you said learn the love languages, not, not just like for your romantic partner or relationship, yeah. but also your kids, also your yes. friends. And yeah. so I can see that, you know, any, any loved one that you're close to, you want to honor that relationship by knowing their love language and by giving them your best and hoping, you know, hopefully it's reciprocal. Um, so that's what I heard. You're saying like, okay, I'm not just going to give like just the scraps to Yes. To your husband or to my husband, you know, yes. but also that it's the same for very close friendships. Like I have a group of women, you know, the women of Chicana mother work who are like my sisters. Yes. And I feel a little shame to admit, I actually don't, I think I, I think I know their love language, but I've never actually, frankly, I'm going to put go put in this text message or on group me or something and be like, what are y'all's love language? <laughs> so I can write it as a note to myself because I've never actually asked them. And so it's so interesting. I know my husband, his, his love language is affection and it's so obvious oh, and mine yeah. is quality time and I'm always asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> and my son too, it's like quality time and words of affirmation, but I don't know that to be true for, for my friendships. I, I know what my mom's love language is too, but it, you know, it's so interesting to think about that. I'm glad that you mentioned it because I think it, it helps um, with building relationships. And I think that is also part of like balancing academia with having a family, with being just a human and in relationship with others. Oh yeah, um, it's part of your well-being. And mm-hmm. I, I guess that was the, where I was going was to say that we forget, we as in like the, the identity of being a, a grad student, the identity, that portion, um, it's kind of like, uh, your academic, whatever you're doing, like overshadows your, your, you know, your wellness in your, your personal relationships, not just your, your, your health as in your physical health, but how are you feeling in, in your heart and um, being able to feel poured into instead of, and being able to pour into other people, right? Because if you're empty, you might want to pour into them, but like 
there's not this ebb and flow of the relationship. And so, you know, you're just kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of a, you know, a vessel that's half full. I remember one time someone telling me like, Yvette, you are not a robot. Uh, You are not a machine. Like it's okay to take a break. And I was like, okay, I needed someone to tell me that it was okay for me to do it. This is many, many years ago. Uh, not now I'm the one saying that to other people, <laughs> but I think that's a great way to wrap things up. One last thing I want to ask you is if others um, like me resonated with what you said and want to be in touch, want to support, how can they reach you? Oh my goodness. I was on mute. So, <laughs> you know, anybody that wants to reach out, you know, I'm on the gram uh, and definitely, you know, look me up NavCap network. Um, if you go onto our site, it's navcap.io, N-A-V-C-A-P is in Paul.io. Um, there's a reach out and connect with me. Uh, we actually have a, a free community. It's it's going to be free forever. So it's not going to be one of those sne- sne- sneakies where you get in. They're like, hey, guess what? You got to pay. No, it's, it's <laughs> free um, for the first month. <laughs> it's free for the first month. No, it's, it's a it's a it's a free forever Um community and um and i will shameless plug i will say that um one of the things that's on deck that i'm super excited about is um we're putting together a uh grad camp which is like an ed camp um i'm an ed techie and i forgot to mention this but my research is culturally responsive tech integration i love that yeah and so our um anyone that's an ed techie knows that we have these things called ed camps and um, an ed camp is essentially where you get a group of folks who are normally educators and they create the, um, the interactions and the conference that they want. They literally do it um, while they're there. So you go, you have a big board, you kind of write down, what do I want to learn about? What's important to me? And then you have folks that go and break out. And then you have small group sessions, like 30 to 40 minutes where folks go, this is what I know. This is what I've learned. These are resources. And so um, that's one of the things that we have on deck uh, for NAFCAP is, um, you know, doing a uh, a virtual grad camp um, so that grad students can get together and say, oh my goodness, say, say I'm a grad school mom, you know, say I'm a this, I'm a that. And what are some things that have worked? But not only than that, what are some really great resources? And so um, I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited for this partnership because um, like, it's not just like one, it's like the X-Men, you know, it's like the X-Men. It's like, right. There's like hundreds and thousands of like X-Men, like there's hundreds and thousands of us. And so I definitely uh, reject the idea that um, community can't reinforce community. Like we are so much better together hundred um, percent agree 100%. Yes. so support you know doctora yvette um you know femtering support, support that. navcap support <laughs> navcap come on um because there 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 is there there is enough for all of us but there's so many people that are still not getting fed so like let's yeah. go ahead and get get out there to them i love that oh my goodness i'm getting so excited <laughs> Uh, well, that, I think that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. Soon to be Dr. Elisa Frazier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Putting yeah. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for joining us today. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm.
Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time.